for democracy for. This is what should be done by one who is skilled in goodness and who knows the path of peace. Let them be able and upright, straightforward and gentle in speech, humble and not conceited, contented and easily satisfied, not busy with duties and frugal in their ways. Peaceful and calm and wise and skillful, not proud or demanding in nature. Let them not do the slightest thing that the wise would later reprove, wishing in gladness and in safety. May all beings be happy. Whatever living beings there may be, whether they are weak or strong, omitting none, the great or the mighty, medium, short or small, the seen and the unseen, those living near and far away, those born and to be born, May all beings be happy. Let none deceive another or despise any being in any state. Let none through anger or ill will wish harm upon another, even as a mother protects with her life, her child, her only child. So with a boundless heart should one cherish all living beings, radiating kindness over the entire world, spreading upwards to the skies and downwards to the depths, hours and unbounded, freed from hatred and ill will, whether standing or walking, Seated or lying down, free from drowsiness, one should sustain this recollection. This is said to be the sublime abiding. By not holding to false views, the pure-hearted one, having clarity of vision, being freed from all sense desires, is not born again into this world. Thank you, Venerable. Over to you. Okay. So it's has it's been a while since um I've taught Amadeo. I think it was before the rains retreat. The we, we were talking about how. Happiness uh, makes the mind still very quickly. So the positive mind states in daily life supports our um, meditation. So it's not only when we're sitting down meditating, but our whole life, how we conduct our life in, you know, our daily life, you know, having 
morality, ethics, and um, kindness in our life, and how we treat others is how we treat ourselves. So all those things come together in meditation. So meditation isn't just about, um, it's not a, you know, just an isolated thing. It's, it's, it encompasses uh, the whole of our life. So in the Buddhist tradition, we, um, we have the Noble Eightfold Path. And in brief, we practice uh, sila, samadhi, panya. So sila is the morality aspect of it. And to keep it, uh, to simply put it, we're not harming anybody and we're not harming ourselves. So we're not doing anything that would harm us or anyone else. So that's morality in brief in its simplest form that's easiest to understand. So if you're doing something and you're, you know, you're not sure if it's the right thing to do, or you're questioning, oh, is this good or bad, or, you know, does it lead to wholesome states? Um, you know, you go, is it harming myself or is it harming anybody else? Um, so you ask yourself that and kind of investigate that and reflect on it. And if you keep your morality quite um, pure, you will see uh, an uh, increase in your samadhi, your stillness. It, so it's like conditionality. It's like dependent origination. One thing leads to another. It's a formula. So if you keep morality, naturally your, your meditation will take off very quickly, easily. So it's, it's that wisdom aspect of understanding how the process works instead of trying to force it. You, you understand the skillful means how to get there. Um, so, so samadhi is a stillness. And then uh, when you're still, your wisdom will uh, arise. Because through stillness, meaning the pool or the water is still. So you can see at the bottom of the pool or the water of the lake. So you see clearly what's going on here. Then the wisdom, that's when the wisdom arises. Oh, this is, this is how things are. So we, uh, when the wisdom arises, it supports the morality. It supports the meditation and also, so, you know, increases the wisdom. So all those three factors help one another, support one another to, uh, yeah, to develop and mature. So, uh, yeah. So I think there was a story of something like three boys. They were uh, walking through the maybe a park or a garden, and they saw some fruits, maybe some apples on top. Yeah, and they wanted to get the apple, but it was too high up. They were too short to get it. Yeah, so. You know, these boys were clever, they were smart. So they, they figure if they help each other, they can get to the apple on top because it was too high. So what happens was the two boys on the bottom, they would, would, uh, kneel down on, on all fours. So then the third boy could climb up on both of their backs, stand up so they can reach the apple, so they can pick the apple. So the, the, which means the two boys at the bottom is, is, uh, morality and stillness, sila and samadhi. So the, 
the morality and the meditation supports the wisdom. So the third boy was, is able to climb up on the other two boy and able to get to the fruit, to the apples. So that's, that's just a simile of how, how the path works, uh, how the path of meditation works. So if you really want to uh, develop your meditation, um, practice the Noble Eightfold Path, understanding how sila works. And once you understand sila, uh, you keep some sila, you try it out. You don't have to be perfect at it. And, and once you see that the sila helps the samadhi, and then the wisdom comes up, then you're like, oh yeah, this is working. So then it also makes you want to keep more precepts, you know, you know, starting with five and then taking more. So, um, so that's in brief how uh, the Noble Eightfold Path works and how meditation is, uh, you know, is part of that and how wisdom and morality is part of that. And that's it's in brief. Um, I think that would be helpful for all of you to, you know, have a, some kind of understanding how, um, how the, the Noble Eightfold Path works. So, yeah, so any questions on that or should we get to the meditation? Well, that's a nice chance to ask questions. If anyone would like to ask a question, please unmute. Um, can I ask about like the five and the eight precepts? Um, because sometimes I, I read I read another book by by a by a monk called Ajahn Lee the oh. other time. Okay. Yeah, and I, yeah, and then I saw that he's he really emphasized on the benefit of keeping eight precepts. Hmm. But um, I'm not sure about that because he really emphasized a lot like if you keep five precepts um your sila is on like your sila is like this and then you keep the eight precepts your sila will be like on i think i I don't think he tried to make a comparison but from what i read is that he he seems to place a lot of importance in keeping the eight, eight precepts and i want to ask how important how important is that in the lay life? Because sometimes I think it's really difficult to keep a precept in lay life practically. Yeah. Okay, so the question is how we can use the eight precepts in the lay life and how important it is. Um, it depends on it depends on the person, each individual. Um, yeah, I mean, I think for most people or for all, I mean, you can always try it out, you know, like first you, you try out the five. If you can keep the five really well already, I wouldn't say jump to eight right away. <laughs> so, you know, you can keep your, your five precepts. That's, that's really, really good already. I mean, it's, it's might, it's very, very difficult because most of us are working and have busy lives and we're not, professional meditators you know <laughs> we just do it part-time but once you are able to keep the five precepts and meditate regularly and see that there's an uh, increase in your 
you know, in meditation, there's a, a big happiness that uh, you can see a big growth in it. Then you, you could try out the eight precepts. So, because of eating in the afternoon is a, is a very difficult precept for most people because we're, we're, our schedule is not designed for that kind of, um, you know, <laughs> society is not designed for the eight precepts as in eating in the afternoon mainly. <laughs> so that's, that's a difficult one. But if you're, you go on those, um, retreats, you know, nine day retreats or long retreats, how I started it was I took a lot of retreats during the year and that conditioned me, my stomach to, uh, not eat in the afternoon. So the more uh, retreats you have, that conditioning of not eating in the afternoon on, in, on retreats, then suddenly your stomach starts to change and not want to eat as much in the evening. And um, then it's slowly, slowly over the years, you can build that up and then even eat to the minimal and not just having, you know, um, sugar and stuff in the, at nighttime. But I, w I wouldn't say it's that important. It's just, I think something you should try out for yourself. Definitely uh, something to, to give a try. But like anything, gradually do it. Don't, don't force it. Because the first time when I did it, I was really, really in, in pain. It was really hungry. <laughs> it was really, really bad. I had to go to sleep early because, you know, it was so hungry that you just go to bed. <laughs> Basically, that's what happened. But um, once you overcome that, then then you're okay. But um, it's it's quite difficult <laughs> when you first try it. Yeah. Does that answer your question? Okay. All right. So we normally sit for what? About thirty minutes, is it? Yes, that's correct. Okay, so we have probably time for maybe one or two more questions, maybe. Martha's uh, got a hand up, uh, Venerable. Okay, uh, Martha. Just wondering, can you remind us what all eight of the precepts are slowly, so I can write them down? I learned this way. Thank you so okay. much. Okay, let's see if I can remember them. <laughs> okay. Uh, so the first one is refraining from killing. Yeah, refraining from killing. Uh, second one is refraining from stealing. Okay. And the third one is refraining from sexual misconduct. Basically adultery. And killing, stealing, second one. Uh, the fourth one is lying, refraining from lying. Um, the fifth one is refraining from alcohol, taking alcohol or non-medicinal drugs, yeah? Alcohol or non-medicinal drugs. Um, okay, and then the third, the, the last three is refraining from eating in the afternoon. That means it's not like, you can eat little stuff like, you know, like sugar and candy and stuff like that, chocolate and stuff. But you just can't eat like a big meal, like, you know, like having like a full meal. Just, just stuff to keep you going, like sugar and honey and more stuff like that. Uh, so, and then what is it? The next one is refraining from 
entertainment, meaning like, you know, like dancing, singing, watching movies and stuff, anything that would disturb the mind from um, meditation. So it's getting more refined now, yeah? It's, it's, it's to calm down the mind and not stirring it up. Okay, and then I think that's it. I mean, there's one more. Is it entertainment? Anyone know the, the last one? It's like uh, there's eating afternoon, singing and dancing and entertainment. No jewelry. Uh, lux luxurious bedding or no? No, uh, yeah? high beds. High beds, high beds. luxurious. Beds. Yeah, refraining from having luxurious uh Furnishing, you know, like over the top. Uh, you want you don't want to go to oh, yeah, adornments, adornments, adornments. Oh, using perfumes, perfumes and um, stuff like that. Yeah, is it jewelry, jewelry, perfumes, um, adornments? Exactly, making yourself makeup and all that stuff. Yeah, so that's a good one. So the, that's the the eight eight one. So keeping things simple. Yeah, and. Not stirring up the mind. So the three extra precepts is basically allowing the mind to settle down more and not stirring it up. So that way the meditation can take off more easily. So, yeah? Uh, Peter, you, you have your hand up. Would you like to unmute? Um, can you hear me? Yes, we can. Um, the comment... Um from following on from Gloria's question, um, in the time of the Buddha also, and of course now, we have days we set aside called Upasatha days, where people, like, especially for lay people, once a month on full moon day, we observe the eight precepts. So it's one way of doing it without it interfering with your regular employment and routine. So it's set aside as the post of the day and it goes back to the time of the Buddha. So just for the day, for that 24 hours, we observe eight precepts. We do that at the Buddhist society. Mm -hmm. We have once a month um, a day of silence where people come and just do that. Okay, yeah, that's, that's we actually do that, yeah. We, we do have that here at the BSWA. So that's another. Yeah, so that's a way to also be you know train yourself every uh, every full moon or every moon day. So <laughs> all right, so that's thank thank you Gita Gita for that. <laughs> it's um, nice to so see you. Would you like to unmute? Yeah, um, I was just wondering, like when you're thinking about like taking actions that don't harm yourself or others, how do you handle it when you feel like you're faced with a choice? where whatever you choose, you're either going to harm yourself or harm someone else. Just wondering. Mm, what do you mean? Do you have an example? Like, um, Yeah, I mean, not big harming, but like, say at work, like, I have a certain amount of, or we have a certain amount of work that needs to be done, and I get to a point where I feel like my body can't handle it anymore. It's just, it's more work than we have people, so... What do I do when I feel like I can't handle it anymore? But if I don't do what I'm like this work, then it's going to fall onto someone else. And just yeah, you, you know what I mean, right? 
Right. Okay. That's that's a tricky one. Yeah. Uh, those kind of situations usually, you know, I usually meditate, let get my mind really still, and then suddenly an answer will come up for those. Yeah. But really, I think you would know more than I would because the situation, the situation is very different. Yeah. There's no real standard answer to that, but because you're in that situation and when you meditate, your mind becomes still and clear. And then so you're able to answer that question yourself. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. So I think it's probably that time for, uh, uh, for us to begin the meditation. That would be wonderful, venerable. Okay. So, uh, get yourself into a nice, comfortable position. Whether it's uh, sitting in a chair, on a couch, on a cushion, or any way you like that's comfortable. And let me see if I can close, uh, turn off the lights here so then it'll be more meditative. Okay. So, uh, first thing we do is always giving our body some attention, yeah? Seeing how your body is by closing your eyes first so that helps you kind of be more aware of your inner world and also your sensation in your body that makes it more easy so close your eyes gently and just adjust the body I'm adjusting my belt here making sure it's not too tight. And it's important for your belly to be quite um, comfortable where it's not constricted so that you can breathe more easily. And so when you close your eyes, what do you notice? What part of the body do you notice? Kind of feel, feel your body. How does it feel? And ask your body, how do you want to sit? What position would you like? How do you want to be? Just take a moment to listen to your body and see what it needs. For me, uh, my body says, uh, adjust your legs. So I'm going to do that.
usually it takes a couple minutes for you to feel the more subtle things that your body needs. When you first come in, it's a bit too coarse. So give it some time. Adjusting, relaxing any parts of your body that is tense. Put it in the best position that it can be in. So for me, I'm adjusting my neck and head, relaxing it, making sure my head is centered, balanced, comfortable. Now my shoulders are relaxed, down to my arms, asking your arms and hands, see how they are, placing them in a way that is comfortable. And now, checking your back, your lower back, upper back, middle back, making sure all of your back is quite centered and straight, but relaxed. And then moving down to your stomach. Checking that, see how that your stomach is. Give me some kindness. Moving down to your legs, your thighs. I mean, making sure your thighs are put in a very comfortable position. Is happy moving down to your calves, and your ankle, and your feet, making sure it's placed in a good way. And then your toes, making sure that toes are quite stretched and happy. Not, not, and one last check over of the whole body. Make sure anything that's left over, that's, you left out.
So feel your body as a whole. Feeling the whole body as a one piece. And you're relaxing the whole body in one go. Putting it down and letting it be and leaving it alone and not worrying about it at all. Now is the time to leave the body alone after caring for it the best that you can. Now sit for a while with, with the body part. Just give it some time to kind of settle down. And just feeling how it feels. Now you can feel you're in the world. How does it feel? So we're putting down the body, putting down our feelings, letting it be, putting it down, and going, coming into the present moment, feeling this present moment. How does this present moment feel?
whatever you're feeling. You can always make peace with it. You can always be kind. You can always be gentle with whatever you're experiencing. Having an attitude of acceptance and kindness to whatever's in front of you. Having an attitude of disengagement, not engaging in whatever you're experiencing, but just kind of be in the background, not judging, not getting involved in whatever you're experiencing. Standing back, having some distance, a passive observer, a passenger, not a driver.
letting the process unfold by itself.
So we're coming close to the end of the meditation. Now is the time to look back, assess, see how your mind and body has changed. See what's different. Compare to when you first started. You do notice a more calm, more still body and mind. More clarity. and awake. More expansive. Having a more wider view, seeing more clearly in the sense of an overall bird eye view of things. Not so narrow. And of course, the energy is there. More energy in the mind. More rested in the body. The calming of your breathing. You feel the well-being in, in yourself. You feel the well-being. A wholesomeness. Something very wholesome. you know that you're on the right path. Something tells you this is the way. It's not through thinking, but more feeling, intuition, that this is the way to happiness. Now I will ring the gong three times. Please listen to all the 
ringing and by the third time, please come out of your meditation slowly. Okay. Whew. Okay. How was that? <laughs> Another. It was one wonderful, memorable. Thank you very much. Thank you. It's beautiful, isn't it? Sorry. It is. It is beautiful, Venerable, most beautiful. Would you like to continue with your talk or yeah. take more questions? Sure, yeah, so, you know, every time you come back to meditation, have some time out and give it the priority in life, you always feel that life is meaningful. This, this is the meaning in our life, and that's how I feel. Whenever I meditate and get into a nice, peaceful state it gives you a meaning in life that that you can't describe in in thinking you know in words it's it's a more kind of feely feely kind of uh, uh way it's a way of it's a different it's a very difficult thing to describe yeah <laughs> we call it, we could call it inspiration as Ajahn Brahm might call it but it's 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 showing us that we're going in the right direction. There's there's something attractive about it. You know, it's it's pulling you towards something that's very wholesome that you intuitively know that this is what you're looking for. Yeah. And it's it's not too much of like, you know, in the books or reading about stuff or, you know, debating or intellectualizing or philosophizing or you know, it doesn't need meditation. Doesn't need you to you to convince. It doesn't need to convince you that it's right. It's 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 the truth. You can experience it for yourself. And um, yeah, there's no need to say anything really. <laughs> it speaks for itself, basically. 
So yeah, it's 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 a gradual path, and it uh, leads to more and more happiness um, if you uh, keep up at it and give it a priority in your life and treasure it like a treasure, like a gem, and you know it grows if you look after it. It grows and grows and grows bigger and bigger, like a snowball. And uh, once the momentum goes over the hill, it just takes off by itself. The mind leaps onto the meditation. You don't need to tell yourself, "Oh, I want I have to meditate today." It, actually, you want you you know you want to meditate. <laughs> you can't help it, but but to schedule a time and you. You leave everything else behind and go, you know, this is the more important thing. Number one, this is the first thing I need to do in my life before anything else. So you put that at the top as a priority and not, um, you know, other stuff, you know, money, financial, other stuff that you might, the world might say, oh, that's important. But this thing called meditation, the stillness takes over takes over your life and you're you become an addict you know you become addicted to meditation and uh it's great because it's free you don't have to pay for it uh you need a lot of time that's it you just need the time for it um it's free it's always there for you you don't need anyone else to give it to you um yeah, it's some. It's a refuge, basically, some somewhere where you can find safety and happiness, wherever you're in the world, no matter where you, what happens to you in life, or you, you know, you're homeless, you're poor, you go to jail, every everyone in the world left you behind, you're all alone, you know. This is the refuge that, you know, that you can always turn to. It doesn't matter where you are in the world. So that's that's a true refuge, a true refuge in the in your own heart and mind, and what a great blessing that is for us to have, you know, a place where we can go to for for refuge, you know, for support, because you know, in the world, you know, we have families, relatives, friends, you know, but over time, you know, you know, when we're young, for brief period of time when I have relationships and they, you know, the people around us may support us for a long time, may be with us for a long time. But even that doesn't last. It doesn't last. They will have to separate. They would have to pass away eventually. You know, uh, they would have to go. The relationships do end. People do die. Friendships do break up. You know, the Buddha teaches Anicca, things change. They will let you down. That's, that's the truth, one of the truth of the teachings. And if you recognize the, the nature of impermanence, then you want to seek out a solution to it. Somewhere where you're no longer disappointed in life. You don't blame anybody anymore. You have a true refuge within your own heart. And that's where you go. So, yeah. <laughs> so it's great. Okay. Any questions? Anyone like to unmute and ask a question or put a question in the chat? 
follow me, but I just don't, I, you know, I don't want to take up everybody's time, but it's, 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 a, it's a technique thing. First of all, that was a great meditation as far as thank you for the depth. Question about being the passenger for, versus the driver and thinking not being the way. I understand. So, question. I got, until we just got into the silence a little further, uh, I'm always being the driver by reminding myself of what it is that I'm to be doing right now. And it often is in the form of some sort of a mantra, which are very helpful for me, even in just off the cushion to remind myself, here, now, here, now. I was just wondering if you use any sort of an anchor, like the breath here or the breath at uh, the abdomen or any sort of mantra or anything like that. Um, and I know that's still thinking, and I know that the happiness is not there, but I'm just interested in what your experience is. And thank you. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, there's techniques like, you know, the breath, the abdomen, and various places on the body you can um, anchor yourself, I guess, if you feel like your mind is going astray. But I don't know, I don't, I guess because of my teacher and my training, we don't really use that too much. Uh, we use the attitude to what we're experiencing. So that's what my teacher teaches. So it's, you're not trying to control the object of what you're experiencing, what you're thinking about or how you feel, but it's your attitude towards that object. That's where we have the control. We can have some kind of, yeah. So we're, making peace with whatever we're experiencing, that means we're not agitating whatever's going on. We're not making more waves on the lake or the pond. So the, the pond is already have ripples, right? And if you stick your hand in there and try to pat down the, the ripples, it's going to make more waves. That's why we think we, we can do the go on the breath or the abdomen. We, we try to pat down the waves. So we're sticking our hand in there again. And then it's going to cause more waves in the end. So the skillful means by making peace, being kind, being gentle, in, that, in the way I understand it, is the skillful means to let go, stand back, and stop sticking your hand in the lake. It's, it's to, to kind of be a passive observer, to stand back and uh, not get involved. And what's going on? So by not getting involved in what's going on, the waves get lesser and lesser by themselves. You don't need to pat down the waves to make it still. The waves are eventually, you know, become still once the wind stops, once you stop sticking your hand in there. It is, it's the nature of the water to become still. So by sticking your hand in there, you're just making it worse. Does that make well, sense? How about this? Yeah. 
I'll get, I'll get, I'll get real specific. So, I mean, if you're listening to the breath or you're having some kind of sensation that's helping you to get more peaceful, um, you know, I know in the Zen tradition, we used to light incense to sit with the group and that, that aroma of the incense helps center your breathing, yeah? And that helps you to let go. It, it kind of gives you an object to... to uh, kind of give your attention to and I guess that's okay I mean if you're not you know interfering with the process of sticking your hand in there and you're just listening to the sound whatever is going on or the you know the smell but you're not interfering with it you're just kind of like observing it yeah feeling it yeah so it's not bad well, yeah, it's okay if it's helping you. Right. Right. Yeah. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you for giving me permission to like something. Thank you. Okay. And thank you, Martha, and uh, thank you, Venerable. Sure. Uh, Venerable, do you have time to squeeze one more question? Uh, yeah, sure. One more. Uh, sure, one more question. <laughs> um, Venerable, this is a question uh, that's in the chat, so I'll read it to you. Uh, there's a tendency when meditating, I feel like I have to kind of finish some work, etc., so I can be peaceful or past memories appear. How can I train to break this habitual pattern? Can you read that again? Yes, certainly. There's a tendency when meditating, I feel like I have feelings that I have to kind of finish my work or mm. I have things of, uh, so, but, and this interferes with me being peaceful. Mm. Um, so, 
how can all past memories appear and how can I train myself to break this habitual pattern is the question. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, the past usually comes up often in meditation. That's very common. And the momentum of our day also often, you know, goes into our meditation. If you've been working, obviously that's going to come up. So, you're not trying to get rid of that thought or that memory. You're just making peace with it and being kind to it and being gentle to it. Meaning you're not adding more to what's already there or following it. So it's an attitude, what you have to what you're experiencing. It might be uncomfortable, that feeling of wanting to do something. It's, it's not pleasant, but it's there. Yeah, it's there. It's, it's there in the body or also in the emotions. But you don't feed it. You, you make peace with it. You be kind to it. And also you stand back. You don't get entangled into what's happening. You stand back. Like watching a movie, you, you don't want to sit in the front row. You sit in the back row, all the way in the back. So you have some perspective. You know, there's distance between you and what you're watching. And when you take away that, you know, that attitude, and so you have that distance. Once you have that distance, you can just be at peace and watch. But if you're too close, then you might get involved in it. Yeah, You get entangled in it. You start thinking more about it. You, you know, you get yourself into more tangle by thinking how to get rid of it. Oh, I shouldn't be thinking. Oh, this is bad. What's going on? I better, I just might as well go and finish my work so then I can, you know, meditate. <laughs> so, so you can get very entangled very quickly if you don't catch yourself early in the beginning. So catch yourself early. Know what's going on. The wisdom faculty and, and catch it early by, you know, by uh, standing back and making peace with it instead of trying to change it. Is that okay? I think so, Venerable. I think it's very okay. Um, okay. Venerable, yeah. uh, would you like to leave us with a blessing this evening? Sure. All right, so okay. just to let everyone know, I'll be going down south to Albany for a while. I won't be back until maybe the rains retreat, so... Uh, you know, I wish everyone well and give you a blessing before I go, which is tomorrow. <laughs> well, have a wonderful trip and enjoy. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Sabarogo Vinimuto Sabasanta Pawajito Sabawe Ramati Yando Nibuto Chatu Vambawa Sabitio Viva Chantu Sabarogo Vinyasatu Mate Pawan Tuan Tarayo Suki Dika Yugo Bawa Abiwa dana silisane chang, Buddha pachayino, Chataro dhamma wadanti, Ayuano sukang, 
Bye. <laughs>